Well, it certainly feels like Christmas everywhere you look. You're just being reminded of this thing, and it, it is Christmas season, and we're going to take some time on Sundays to be celebrating this and even understanding and diving deeper into what this is and what this is all about. But I want to tell you, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. As I watch people just come in, it, it just gifts after gifts after gifts just coming in today. And you guys did a fabulous job. Over 500 gifts have been purchased by you guys to be able to give to kids. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your incredible generosity. Well, we're starting this Christmas series today, Born as the King. But we're also going to finish this at our Christmas Eve service. And Christmas Eve can get kind of tight for us. And so if you want to make sure that you've got a seat that I want to ask you that you would either today, you would text in December DEC for December, December 24, DEC 24 to 210 817 8121. Or if you'll read our emails that we'll be sending out when we send those out weekly, that's another way that you'll be able to get registered to be able to secure your spot because we're only going to leave room for about 300 people to come per service and we're going to be doing three different services. And so you'll be able to see those times, see when we're doing that and be able to get plugged into that. Also, I want to tell you about another opportunity because I know you guys are so incredibly generous and that is what we do every year. We call it our My Christmas Offering. And at my Christmas offering, it's where we give above and beyond. We say, hey, we want this to be something, God, that you would use outside the walls of Crosspoint. That when it comes to our my Christmas offering, we don't use this for anything internal that we do. It's all about just what, what can we do to be helping others. And so our first $11,000 that we receive with our my Christmas offering will actually go to pay for the house that we'll be building in the Dominican Republic when we send a team going out there in February. And we still have room for a couple more people to be joining that team, and we'd love for you guys to go and plug in and connect and, and be part of that trip that we're doing in mid-February. And if you want to find out more about that or how can I sign up for it, you can stop by our next steps on your way out. But the first 11000 is going to that. And then after that, we're going to split equally between two ministries that exist, that, that we go, hey, we love what they're doing, we love what they're about, and we just want to help fund them with what they're doing. The first one is Save the Storks, and they've been here with us, and they've spoken here, and, and this, this is a ministry that helps women in a crisis pregnancy situation, and they provide support for them. They provide resources for them. They'll even do a free sonogram for these women when they're going, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant, and I really don't know what's going on, and for them to just be able to provide this and do this, and what they have found is over 80% of women that end up getting a sonogram they end up keeping their child, even when they thought they were going to give it up. And so this is amazing. It's a great ministry for us. And then the other one that we're going to be supporting is Adult Teen Challenge. And Adult Teen Challenge is a ministry, and it's, it's all over the states. And, and they've got a branches right here in San Antonio that helps people with addictions, whether it's teenagers or whether it's adults. It's Adult Teen Challenge, and we're going to be given to be supporting that. Well, today what we're going to do is we start with Born is the King. We're going to be starting with this thought right here. Is it true? Part one, is it true? And so as we, as we look at this thought, this big idea of is it true, it's definitely a question for us to consider. Is it true? And so what is, what is it? Is it true that God sent the world a Savior? Is, is, is that true? Is it true 
that God used a virgin to be the mother. Is, is that true? Another one, is it true that God allowed him, our Savior, to be born in a manger, in a feeding trough? Is it true? And so this is a question, and, and it's a question that people are asking. They're asking, is it true? But I, I think once you start diving into the Word of God and you start diving in with an open heart and open mind, you begin to look at this and go, wow, this is amazing about how this is true. That, that once you put your, your faith, your hope, your trust, it's just amazing how all of this just starts coming together and start making sense. But yet there's many a people that that's not where they're at. There's many people that, that for them, that they're struggling and they're, they're asking the question. And maybe a, another way to see how they're asking this question is they're asking, is it true? And, and their focus isn't on the truth, but their focus is on it, what, this thing right here. And, and what is it? I, I think the best way to represent it that with what people are asking is it is the Bible. Is it true? Is the Bible, can it actually be trusted? Is this true? And we've got the, the doubters, and we've got the, the naysayers, we've got the deniers, that they're like going, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's true. And so, yes, they're asking, is it true? But I think that question often turns into, as they're talking with somebody else who believes it is true, that they go, how can you, how can you believe that is true. How can you do that? Whether that's a sincere question that says, hey, tell me more about how you're able to, or whether it's a question that says, you're a fool. You're a fool for believing. How can you actually believe that that is true? When we look in our New Testament, the, the New Testament gets started with these first four books that we call the Gospels. And as we, we look at these first four books, the, the Gospels, it's important for us to know this about our New Testament. We have a Bible in 66 books. It's divided into two Testaments. It's divided into an Old Testament of 39 books, and then it's divided into the New Testament. We have 27 books. And so we, we, all that together, we just call our Bible. But when it comes to this New Testament part of our Bible, that the New Testament part of our Bible, the, the gospel, especially these first four books, they didn't precede Jesus' birth. These weren't written and said, hey, this is kind of what it's going to be like, and let's, let's talk about what it was. It wasn't until after Jesus was born, after he was grown, and after he sacrificed his life, and after he rose from the dead, that the Gospels were written. It wasn't until this time that, that they were written, and, and different scholars look at this and go, hey, we're not going to all agree on the exact timing of when these were written, but the timing is somewhere between 12 years after Jesus rose from the dead to as many as 100 years after Jesus rose from the dead. I tend to be one of those that, that happen to believe that these got started being written about 30, 35 years after Jesus rose from the dead. That, that's a lot of time that's passed before we ever see what's being written as our Gospels, which means that there were thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions, 
that ended up making a decision to believe Jesus before they could ever read about Jesus. It's just that what, what people were sharing, that there were people that were eyewitnesses that experienced everything. They're around for the life and times of Jesus, and they're going around and they're telling everybody else everything that they know and everything that they saw. And people are just believing and believing and believing and believing with this. And so it's, it's important for, for us, especially if this is you and you're, you're somebody that you're just kind of still kicking the tires of Christianity, that, that you're like going, I'm, I'm not really sure what, what I can believe about that or not. I'm one of those, Will, I'm asking the question, is it true? I, I don't know. I don't know if the Bible's true. and I'm still just trying to figure that out for myself. Then, then it would be good for you to, to understand this, that Christianity, it wasn't formed by the New Testament. It's important you guys, you guys, everybody follow this with me. This is, not a, this is not heresy. This is absolutely true. When we look at this, Christianity wasn't formed by the New Testament. Instead, what we need to know and understand is that Christianity formed the New Testament. It, it, Christianity, people that were seeing who Jesus was, he's the Christ, and they're going, I'm submitting my life to him. And I'm going to follow him and follow his ways and what he taught. I'm listening to what other people are telling me that they experienced firsthand and that they know about him. And I'm following those teachings. And it was Christianity that began to take off before the New Testament ever started being penned. It was Christianity that actually formed the New Testament. And so we get to look at this and we get to read it. And now we have people that they become Christians because of the New Testament. But it got formed because Christianity came first. Because this was written after the life and times of Jesus. And Christianity, it's under attack. And there's another question that I think people are asking that they've gotten to the point where they, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's true. Okay, maybe I can give you that one. And so they've come up with another question. Is it good? Is it good for you? Is it, is it good for me? Is, is it good? Is, is it harmful? Is it destructive? Is it good? They're, they're asking this question, but is it good? Is it good for me? Is it good for society? Is it good for others? It, it seems pretty exclusive. And if it's exclusive, how can it be good? Because we certainly live at a time here in America where it's all about promoting the, the diversity and the equality and the inclusion. And, and because some people look at this and go, hey, this is too exclusive. And so they ask this question of, is it good? And maybe as I'm sharing this with you, you're like going, I, I've kind of wondered that myself. Maybe you're somebody, you're going, you know, I've had a conversation with some people and they kind of asked me something like that and I'm struggling to find a good words to be able to share with them. Here's what's interesting. When we end up hearing some news and what we end up hearing and, and we hear something that, that's not good, we always hope that it's not true. Think about it. You, you've got your favorite show. And somebody tells you, hey, you, you heard they're not renewing that next year. 
And, and you hear that news, and you're not going, oh, that's not good news. I, I hope that's not true. Or maybe, maybe your car is in the shop, and you got an estimate, and you're like, okay, well, let, let's do it. And then they reach out to you and let you know it's, um, they found more damage. It's going to cost more. And you're like going, that's not good news. I, I hope that's not true. You're kidding, right? You're kidding? Right? Isn't that how we respond sometimes? You're kidding? Or when the doctor gets the test results back and he tells you that news, you're hoping that that's not true. I, I, I need a second opinion. Can we, can we do this test again? Because whenever you hear something that's not good, you hope that it's not true. But isn't the opposite true as well? When, when you hear something that sounds, that, that's some really good news. You hope that it's absolutely true, right? I mean, think about it. If you were to hear research proved that chocolate is good for your heart, you're like going, man, I hope that's true. Right? You're, hey, I, I don't need to research anymore. I'm going to trust the researchers and they've researched it. It's good. You know? And it's like, I, I'm good. And we do. We, we just, we, we, hope, we hope that it's true. Or, or here's something else. Binge watching decreases the chance of dementia. It's like, is that true, Will? Oh, I hope that's true. We're like, I'm, I'm just working on keeping my dementia from coming, you know. We're just... We do. We, 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 when we hear something, it sounds so good that consumer debt fosters peace of mind. <laughs> Honey, let's go work on our peace of mind this afternoon. You know, it, when, when we hear things like this, it's like, well, we hope that that's good. But hoping that it's true, it doesn't make it true, does it? We, we, we can hope all we want, but our hope doesn't change what is true and what is not true. And so we've got to be focused. And when Jesus' birth was announced, when his birth was announced, it was good news. It, it, this was, was good news, and this good news brought great joy. And this good news that brought great joy brought it for, this is important, all people. See, there's some people that they think that the Bible, it promotes exclusivity. But it's good news for all people. We just got to get in more pages before we can say that, hey, no, it's exclusive, and see that this is for everyone. This is good news. It is for everyone. That after Jesus grew up, that, that he did, he, he grew up, that he ends up giving up his life. And then he rose up and he returned to heaven. And he's coming back one day. We spent some time on this last week. Matter of fact, I, I had several people start talking to me about the next tattoo that they think they're going to be getting. As we just shared an image of how we can share this gospel, this good news story, so simply and so easily. And Jesus, his life that he gave, that there are four people that ended up writing about Jesus' life and times, that, that these four people, these four writings, that they have stood the test of time. 
And two of them actually included details about the birth of Jesus. And they looked at this and this, these four writers, they, they didn't call it the Bible. But what did they, what did they call it? They called it the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these first four books in our New Testament. They didn't call this the Bible. What they called it was, they called it the gospel. And they they called it the gospel because it was a good story. And they they wrote about the good story of the good life, the good times that, that, that we all can benefit from because of the life that Jesus lived and the life that Jesus gave. That this gospel, this good story, if we were to be reading it in the Greek, it'd be euangelion. And and when we look at this and we see this, this gospel, this good story, that euangelion, it literally means good news. Good news. And this really is, it's good news, but somehow some people have concluded that it's not good news. There's some people that, that they've, they've heard from others something about the Bible, something about the New Testament, or something about Jesus, and they've concluded, this isn't good news. That, that my, my feelings got hurt. Somebody's told, I, I, I can't live the way that I want to live, and, and so that's not good news, and so they, they turned it into, no, that's, that's not good news. Instead of looking to see where this really is, Good news that brings great joy for all people. So let's look at some of the things that that Luke wrote today. In Luke 16, 16, Jesus was speaking. He says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. That would have been this guy, John the Baptist. He was born six months before Jesus. And and John the Baptist, he starts being this guy that, that when he starts entering into his late teen years, he starts proclaiming that, hey, God's getting ready to do something. You need to repent. You need to get your life right because the Holy One's coming, the Messiah, the Christ, he's coming. And and when that happened, that, hey, they were proclaimed, the law and the prophets, this Old Testament, this is what was proclaimed until the time that John started proclaiming a new message, a new message of hope, this gospel message, this good news message. And since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. This is, when this is being written, 30, 40, maybe 50 years after Jesus gave his life, what Luke is writing is he's going, every time somebody hears about this incredible, this good news, they're going, I want to be part of that. I want that. They're forcing their way in because they're going, that's exactly what I need. Because they were hearing the good news of Jesus and how that was good news for them. That that when you hear this this true message, the the accurate message, and and, and you hear this and you go, that's good for me. People, they they lean into this because they want everything that was said about Jesus that was good, they want it to be true. So you lean in to discover more. I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know 
more about Jesus and who he is. And if you don't like the good news, that there's things that, that you would say, hey, that New Testament, or maybe you just refer to it as the Bible, and you don't like the good news, it's probably because you grew up hearing a counterfeit version of the good news. That, that you didn't hear the original version. You didn't hear the authentic version. You didn't hear the authorized version of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. Because once you see what the original news is, you really do see that this is good news that brings great joy for who? For all people. That that's what you will discover. And so if you're somebody that you're like going, hey, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of, of, of walking away from my faith. Maybe you're somebody, you find yourself in, in the midst of deconstructing your faith. Maybe you're somebody that you've already walked away from your faith. It's probably because you're allowing a counterfeit version of the good news of Jesus to shape whether or not you're willing to follow him. And so we've got to get our minds straight and go, hey, just because someone has misrepresented the original version doesn't mean that we should deny, walk away, be a naysayer to Jesus. What it means is we need to get back in and discover what this original message is and see the good news just for what it is. And when we do this, it will change our life. That the original version of good news, it was compelling and worth telling. It was compelling. It, it, it's why people just couldn't stop talking about it. And, and people were going, hey, I want to give my life to that. I, I, I'm willing to follow. And I, I need that. I need that purpose. I need that meaning. I need forgiveness. See, it was really good news. Because, see, before this good news, anytime somebody messed up, anytime somebody screwed up, the only way that you could get forgiven by God is that you would have to make a blood sacrifice. And this was really good news, that that sacrifice has already been done for you. And you just got to be willing to confess your sin and confess your need for Christ. And he'll forgive you of your sin if you'll put your faith, your hope, your trust. If you will believe him, then you get to be forgiven and restored. So in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Luke starts his gospel message with this word right here. Many. Many. How, how, how many? We'll, we'll never really know. But, but what's he referring to? Look at this, what he says. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Many. Many people were, now we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We only have four that we get to read about. But it was many, many were going, hey, I'm going to undertake this and I'm going to write about all these things that have happened concerning Jesus and who he is and what he has done. 
And so this, this question is, is worth asking. The question is, why? Why so many? Well, why would so many people take the time to, to write about the life and the times of Jesus? The, 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 the pen and paper, it, it wasn't common and it wasn't cheap. It was expensive for somebody to actually pen and and write down the life of times. But yet many said, we're undertaking this. We're going to write about the life and times of Jesus. I I just try to wrap my head around this and try to begin to to understand that this whole idea of, hey, when when something's expensive, you know, is is it really worth doing something with? And so I really started thinking about from my lifetime something that, that used to be pretty pretty expensive. And, and that thing that used to be pretty expensive was taking pictures. I'm 55, and so, you know, if you're, if you're like me and, and you're my age, maybe even into your late 30s, you might even go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely by the time you're in your mid-40s that you go, yeah, there was a time. I, I, I remember that that was expensive because, because there was a time when we took photos and you didn't get to see the photo that you took when you took it. I'm telling you that there was a time. Some of you guys are going, what, really? Never knew. Got some kids in here. They're like going, mom, mom, what's he talking about? Because they, they, they don't know. They don't know this. They're like going, hey, I recognize that. That's a camera. But, but what are those yellow things? Film. Anybody remember film? Yeah. Remember, you, you, you'd take a few pictures and you thought, oh, man, I can't wait to see those. And you look and you're like going, oh, man, I still got to take seven more pictures. <laughs> and I, go, I don't have any more. I don't, there's nothing else for me to take. I just want to see these. And so then what do you do? Okay, come, let's take some more. Take some more. <laughs> and you just start taking pictures of things you really don't even care about. Oh, well, let's take a picture of that. Maybe we'll remember that one. You, you, because you're just trying to get to the end of the roll. And so you'd get to the end of the roll, but that wouldn't be it because then you had to do what? You had to go take it to get it developed. Remember when our malls were full of these? Anybody remember the kiosks, you know, the, these freestanding buildings in the middle of a parking lot? You could just take and drop your photos on? And you, we would. We would just, we'd just take them and we'd like, go, it's going to cost me. I've got to take time to drive over there. Okay? And, and then I'm going to take my, my film. And then when I take my film, I, I get a little envelope. And you got to make all these selections, right? I mean, you had, to put, you had to put all your information, all your contact information on there every single time for every single role. And then you had to select on there what, what you wanted, you know? Hey, what, what, what size print and what quality of print do you want? Do you want the cheapy three by fives? Are you, are you going to upgrade to the four by six? Or, hey, you can play for glossy. And we would, we would just make these choices and we would be marking them all off and marking them down and, and we'd do that and we'd turn it in. But, but you know, we had another choice to make too. And that was, when do you want it? Because, you know, the, the original was, it was going to be like, hey, in five days, you can come back and pick this up. And I, anybody remember being excited when you could get it the next day, when that became an option? And that was great. And then, and then they surprised us again and they were like, one hour photo. We're like, 17 bucks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, I can get it, if I can get it that quick. See, but now we, we, we're like, 
as soon as we take a photo, we see it. And very rarely do we even print our photos. And when we do choose to print them, it's always the best of the best when we choose to print. And I I think about pens and paper. That that pens, man, you you can always find a pen somewhere. You don't even have to pay for a pen. Paper, you, you can find. But look, just as much as pens are readily available to us, paper we can get our hands on is really, really cheap. We've even got computers that are affordable for anybody. And you can get a word processing, thanks to Google, for free. And you can just start typing. And so all of this is so readily available to us. It's just cheap. Things are just cheap. Things have changed. And yet as cheap as it is to be able to to write, whether it's on a cheap computer, whether it's on pen and paper, how many people do you think are going to take the time to write about your life story or my life story? Not many. It's not many. But yet when it comes to the life and times of Jesus, many decided to undertake this and and write about the life of Jesus. And so it, it brings a question. Why so many? And the answer is because something good happened. I, I don't get on social media much, but, but I think the two things that, that cause people to post something on social media is something good happened, but it seems to me like the few times I've been on there that what people are usually choosing to post is because something bad happened. But it's always about something happening. But the reason that so many chose to write wasn't because something bad happened. And it was, oh, we need to expose this. You guys need to know. We don't have those writings. They're not out there. It was because something good happened. And so Luke, as he gets this going... He says, just as they were handed down, these these things about Jesus, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So how good was the good news? Just just how good was it? This news that says, you get to be forgiven. And you don't have to go and sacrifice your young little lamb that's male and that's perfect and best for breeding. You just get to be restored to your relationship with God. By putting your belief in him and trusting him to forgive you. That was pretty good news. That news was a, was a through the roof kind of faith news. In fact, as Jesus has been talking and been doing healings and people are getting news of just how great this guy was and what he could do and the authority that he had in life. Just as this was all unfolding, Jesus has been healing some people. Now we got these Pharisees, these religious leaders. They weren't believing Jesus. They were deniers of him. And, but he was teaching and they were gathered around and everybody's listening. 
And you got these four friends that they wanted to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus because they knew that he could heal him. And so they had to actually go through the roof because the crowds wouldn't let them get through and penetrate the crowds to get to Jesus. So they literally went up on the roof of this house, pulled the tiles apart, and they lowered him right there in front of Jesus. And when we see this, Jesus sees these guys' faith. He looks at this guy that's that's on this mat, and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know if you could imagine with me. Here's a guy that's paralyzed, and he's hoping to get healed. He gets talked into, hey, let us go. Even if he didn't get talked into it, no, don't take me. He doesn't have any control. (laughs) They pick up the mat, and they take him. And they, they lower him. They're telling him all along, hey, Jesus will heal you. Jesus will heal you. Jesus will heal you. They, they lower him down. He's right there in front of Jesus. You know, and they made a whole spectacle of the scene. And he's like, okay, well, let me get this healing. And Jesus didn't heal him. Instead, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. To which he's like, but, but I, I'm not asking for my sins to be forgiven. Can I just, can I just get used to this? And... Um, JC, um, I, I, I didn't sacrifice anything. So how, how could my sins, how, how could they be forgiven? And then you got the Pharisees, they're certainly going, uh, hey, I, I don't know how you can say that and what authority you have to be able to say that, that, that sins are been, being forgiven because only God has authority to do that. And so Jesus then responds this way. He says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Why would Jesus do this? Because Jesus was more interested in our eternal well-being than our earthly well-being. And so he doesn't start with healing this guy. I know we frequent God with our prayers a lot. God heal, God heal, God heal. And he's good with that, and he welcomes that. But, but what if we would approach our prayers of not just heal me with my depression or with my ailment, but God, would you just heal my heart to where I'd be more focused on living for you than living for me? That, that if we would pray a prayer like that. But Jesus is going, I, I, I know that, that sinners need forgiven. And you know who sinners are? Every one of us, all of us, all of us have sinned. All of us need this good news that Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. We all need this. And anybody who's willing to choose to follow Jesus, put their faith, their hope, their trust in him, then we get this good news of our sins are forgiven and we get restored to a right relationship with our heavenly father. That after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. This was not Levi Strauss. It's a different Levi. But he does have an alias. He does have an AKA. That he's also known as Matthew. And Matthew wrote one of our four gospels. And Jesus goes and he goes to the tax collector, and he approaches him. And, you know, 
Nobody gets excited about a tax collector. It doesn't matter what political party you're part of. When the current administration announced that they were adding 87,000 IRS agents, there wasn't a single person going, yeah. Because <laughs> we don't get excited about tax collectors at all. But what does Jesus do with this tax collector? He says, follow me. Jesus said to him, and leave a God up. And he left everything. And he followed him. Because he saw something in Jesus. And what he saw was something good. And so he was willing to leave what he was doing. And Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous. I have come, not for the righteous, but sinners. And he finished it. But sinners to repentance. To repent from, hey, I'm going this way, I'm going this way, I'm going this way with my life. And that they would repent and they would turn until they faced Jesus and they would move to Jesus. That's what he has called people to do. That's what he came. He came for sinners. So how good is this good news? It is incredibly good. In Luke 6, Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Some of us need to be reminded of this right about now. Some of us aren't doing this, which means we're not being the good news, which means we are counterfeiting the message of the gospel to others. And it's why some are saying, I don't want anything to do with it. But yet this is what Jesus is telling us that what we need to do. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners, and he's talking about unforgiven sinners, unrepentant sinners, even sinners love those who love them. It, it, it's easy to love those who love us. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. That's what Jesus is telling us how we need to live. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So in wrapping this up, don't just believe what Jesus taught us. Do what Jesus taught us to do. And if we'll get here, then we will start sharing the authentic message of the good news. And when we start sharing this authentic message, the original message of good news, when they ask, is it true? And when they ask, is it good? It will be clear 
that it is a resounding yes. 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 It's up to you and I, those of us who believe, that we reflect what Jesus has called us to do with our lives. He was the king. He's born as the king. And if we'll begin to reflect with our lives who he is and what he has done in us, then he'll use us to do a great work with somebody else. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you sent your son and you sent him to be good news. And Jesus, you certainly have been that. And I pray for those that that they struggle to see that and know that and believe that because of what they've seen in others. God, I pray that you would take us that are hearing this and that we're already convinced, Jesus, of who you are. That we would be willing to adjust our lives to be in alignment with what you want for us so that we are living out the good news and that you would use that to draw others to you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.